Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us for GoDaddy's first quarter 2022 earnings call. I'm Christy Masoner, Senior Director of Investor Relations, and with me today are Aman Hutani, Chief Executive Officer, and Mark McCaffrey, Chief Financial Officer. Following prepared remarks, we will open up the call for your questions. If you would like to ask a question on today's call, please use the raised hand feature in the webinar to be added to the queue. On today's call, we'll be referencing both GAP and non-GAP financial results and operating metrics such as total bookings, unlevered free cash flow, normalized EBITDA, annualized recurring revenue, or ARR, gross merchandise volume, or GMV, and net debt. The discussion of why we use non-GAAP financial measures and reconciliations of our non-GAAP financial measures to their GAAP equivalents may be found in the presentation posted to our investor relations site at investors.godaddy.net or on our form 8K filed with the SEC with today's earnings release. The matters we'll be discussing today include forward-looking statements, which include those related to our future financial results, our strategies or objectives with respect to future operations, including our approach to capital allocation, new product introductions and innovations, and our ability to integrate acquisitions and achieve desired synergies. These forward-looking statements are subject to risks and uncertainties that are discussed in detail in our documents filed with the SEC. Actual results may differ from those contained in forward-looking statements, any forward-looking statements that we make on this call are based on assumptions as of today, May 4th, 2022, and except to the extent required by law, we undertake no obligation to update these statements as a result of new information or future events. With that, here's Amon. Thank you, Christy, and thank you all for joining us today. At GoDaddy, our mission is to empower entrepreneurs everywhere, making opportunity inclusive for all. With the secular trends of entrepreneurship coupled with accelerating online presence and commerce, we believe GoDaddy's role is to help our micro and small business customers take advantage of the largest opportunity in front of them, the combination of the Internet and commerce. We do this by helping customers establish and maintain their digital identity. Our tools help customers extend their web presence to social media and marketplaces and open their in-store experience, giving them ubiquitous presence. And we are bringing them to the world of connected commerce by enabling every surface for them with commerce. This mission has never been more important, and GoDaddy's combination of assets makes us a unique and differentiated player in the market. Together, digital identity, ubiquitous presence, and connected commerce form the entrepreneur's wheel, representing our customers' needs and how we meet and exceed them. We shared this new framing for GoDaddy at our Investor Day in February. We also presented a three-year plan, and we are off to a good start. In the first quarter of 2022, revenue grew 11% year-over-year, and normalized EBITDA grew faster, up 18% year-over-year. While always a fluid macro environment, we are focused on what we can control and delivering on expectations for our customers and shareholders. We are keeping a close eye on the war in Ukraine. The financial impact of the war on our business are limited, but we remain critically concerned for the safety of our contractors in the area. A prolonged war will likely mean a bigger disruption in the work and delays in some product releases and rollouts as we ramp resources in other areas. 
We are also closely monitoring the uneven demand pattern as a result of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic and inflation, and the trend of the U.S. dollar is leading to epic headwinds across industries. Our business model is durable and offers us opportunities to adapt and be nimble. Our leadership team is focused on our three-year plan and mitigating short-term headwinds. Over the last several years, we have strengthened the quality of our revenue by delivering on our strategy to attract customers with higher lifetime value. Through discipline execution, we have improved our renewal experience, and as a result, we have continued to drive modest improvements in our already high retention rates. An important data point that I am happy to share is that the 15-month renewal rate from the 2020 cohort of customers continues to be strong. Our commitment to our strategy is clearly highlighted in the consistency of our priorities. Our three strategic priorities have been and continue to be, first, driving commerce through presence, second, delivering for GoDaddy pros, and third, innovating in domains. We covered our priorities in detail at Investor Day. So I will provide brief comments on each of these today. On our first priority, we have delivered many product launches in the last couple of months. The one I want to highlight is the launch of a new higher tier Commerce Plus plan. The new offering includes increased customer value in the form of simplified taxes, unlimited product listing, and higher limits on many features from marketplace orders to email campaigns. The data is early and encouraging. 80% of sales in this new tier are from new purchases. And looking across our commerce plans, 70% of customers are now choosing GoDaddy payments, up from the 60% we shared in February. Annualized GMV across the GoDaddy ecosystem from 20% year over year to 24 billion primarily driven by offline point-of-sale. For GoDaddy Pros, our focus continues to be to create best-in-class presence and commerce offerings and tooling for managed WordPress. We continue to add more users to the hub, and our teams are working hard to increase rates of engagement. Our integration occasionally continues at a good pace, and we are excited about upcoming releases, which include a commerce offering and a new onboarding school to manage WordPress. I'm looking forward to sharing more about these new capabilities once they are launched. On innovation in domains, in February we shared that we are going to bring to market an innovative new product called Payable Domains. I am happy to share that we have started to test Payable Domains with a small percentage of customers in the U.S. It is too early to comment on how customers will receive and adopt this product, but we are eager to experiment with it as quickly as possible. In closing, I want to remind you that GoDaddy has built a durable business with a history of solid performance in all kinds of economic environments. By accelerating the rate of experimentation and innovation, we have continued to improve the quality of our products and enter new markets improving attach and ARPU, and driving shareholder value. Our strength comes from our large customer base, extraordinary customer and revenue retention, the power of our existing cohorts, the strong competitive advantages we have, 
serving the micro and small business customer, a clear three-year plan, and a disciplined leadership team and workforce committed to our mission. With that, here's Mark. Thanks, Iman. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. We are excited to share our strong Q1 results, which highlight our execution towards the targets we shared at our recent investor day. Our results demonstrate our focus on delivering a balanced combination of durable top-line growth, profitability at scale, and robust cash flow. And our performance shows GoDaddy business resiliency. We are pleased that we were able to deliver a strong first quarter while we actively managed through the uncertain global micro environment. Each one, total revenue grew to $1 billion, which represents 12% growth year over year on a constant currency basis and 11% year over year on a reported basis. Within total revenue, international revenue grew 10% year over year on a constant currency basis. As shared earlier this year, we updated the lens by which we report the pillars of our revenue. This change transitioned our reporting from three revenue segments to two new segments, applications and commerce and core platform. This gives us the framework of how we will talk about our business and opportunities going forward. Applications and commerce revenue, which includes presence and applications solutions, grew 16% year over year. Coming in at the high end of our guidance range from February, our presence products, such as websites plus marketing, contributed to this growth. And as Amon mentioned earlier, we drove great traction with the attach of our payment solution, which will show up in this line item as it becomes more meaningful. The ARR for applications and commerce grew 14% year-over-year to $1.2 billion. ARR from our Create and Grow group of products, which includes websites plus marketing, managed WordPress, Spellbrite, and GoDaddy Studio, grew 13% year-over-year to $410 million. Lastly, annualized GMV across the GoDaddy ecosystem is approximately $24 billion growing 20% year-over-year. We achieved growth across all channels, primarily driven by offline point-of-sale. Core platform revenue, which includes domains, hosting, and security products, grew 9% year-over-year, delivering above our February guide with 40% of the increase driven by aftermarket. ARR for core platform grew 5% year-over-year, $2.2 billion. As a reminder, aftermarket performance does not impact ARR. Q1 bookings were $1.16 billion, going over 7% on a constant currency basis and 6% on a reported basis against tough comparisons from the strong year-ago quarter. Additionally, Q1 bookings were 10% sequentially against our largest ever Q4 quarter. Applications and commerce bookings grew 9% year-over-year, and core platform bookings grew 5% year-over-year. Normalized EBITDA grew 18% year-over-year to $226 million, with a 23% margin, representing over a point of margin expansion compared to the same period last year. And bringing our normalized EBITDA margin 
within the 23 to 24% guide you outlined at Investigate. Our technology and development expenses increased as a percent of revenue this quarter as we focused on building our commerce and innovation strategies. Additionally, as we continued reopening offices in Q1, our G&A expenses also increased as a percentage of revenue while remaining below historical levels. We drove leverage in our marketing spend based on continued execution of the formula outlined at Investor Day. Additionally, during Q1, we faced inflation pressures, primarily in the form of increasing energy and cloud infrastructure expenses. Currently, we have medium-term contracts and FX hedges to mitigate some of the foreseen impacts. We expect these inflation-related impacts to continue throughout 2022, and we will monitor and proactively address our exposure in these areas. Unlevered free cash flow for the quarter was $287 million, growing 7% year-over-year, driven by strong profitability. Additionally, during the quarter, we began executing against our announced $3 billion authorized share repurchase, where initial $750 million accelerated share repurchase, or ASR, expected to be completed in May. Through Q1, we repurchased an initial 6.5 million shares, reducing our total share count by 4% since year-end, bringing our free cash flow per share to $5.25 on a trailing 12-month basis, versus prior year cash flow per share at $4.51, for an increase of 16%. On the balance sheet, we finished Q1 with $743 million in cash, and total liquidity of $1.3 billion. Yet debt is at $3.2 billion at the midpoint of our target range of two to four times. Moving on to our outlook, given the solid start to our year and the predictability of our model, based on what we know now, we are comfortable with our full year 2022 outlook provided in February. Having said that, we are not immune to the current macroeconomic environment, which increases our short-term exposure to foreign currency and customer demand fluctuations. While the environment remains fluid, we believe our predictable model allows us the flexibility to moderate our investments and leverage our operating expenses to seek to offset exposure to revenue from these factors. We also remain committed to delivering the $6 plus free cash flow per share discussed in February. Q2, we are targeting total revenue in the range of $1.01 billion to $1.02 billion, which would represent year-over-year growth of 9% at the midpoint. Within that, we expect applications and commerce revenue to grow between 14 and 16%, and core platform revenue to grow between 5 and 7%. For Q2, and full-year bookings, we expect growth to be approximately two points below revenue, primarily driven by FX pressure. We will continue investing in technology development to drive our robust product launch momentum, while balancing our goal for margin expansion through efficiencies in customer care and marketing. Normalized EBITDA for Q2 is expected to be in the range of $232 to $237 million which would represent year-over-year growth of 18% at the midpoint. Our capital allocation strategy 
also remains unchanged. During the second and third quarter, we intend to fulfill our $1 billion buyback target for 2022 through an additional $250 million of share repurchases. Additionally, we will evaluate the impact of rising interest rates and explore refinancing our term loan and revolver with the intention of maintaining our leverage ratio of two to four times. Before I close, I want to reiterate that we remain laser-focused on execution, and we have a track record of consistency in difficult times. We are marching towards delivering the 10% top-line trigger, 15% normalized EBITDA trigger, and 20% or better free cash flow per share trigger will buying back $3 billion of our stock over the next three years that we described in detail in our investor day. We are balancing our near-term and long-term goals, emphasizing delivering strong results while at the same time investing in areas for future growth. Everybody leads in providing small business solutions, a position that we built by understanding the needs of our more than 21 million customers. While the current macro events present challenges, GoDaddy's resiliency comes from our long history of strong customer retention the power of our existing cohorts, and the competitive advantages we built as the champions of small businesses. With that, we'll have Christy Naismer from our Investor Relations team open up the call for questions. Thanks, Mark. As a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, please use the raise hand speaker at the bottom of the webinar screen to be added to the queue. Our first question comes from the line of Trevor Young from Barclays. Trevor, please go ahead. Great, thanks. Two, if I may. Um, just first one, any color on how customer growth has trended thus far in 22 relative to 15% growth last year? Mon, I think you made some comments about on a 15-month basis the 2020 cohort is retaining it at pretty healthy levels. I'm just trying to get a sense on kind of like in-period demand from new customers. Have you seen any improvement in that cadence? And then on international, rep declining, bad Q on Q, is there any specific regions or countries where you saw weakness in the quarter? And did you see weakness specifically in Europe following the onset of the Russia-Ukraine conflict? Thanks. Thanks, Trevor. This is Aman. Um, on the 15-month uh, retention rate, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to share that metric of 2020 was a huge cohort for the company. And I think uh, analysts have been asking us, investors have been asking us about retention rates on it, and we're very excited to see that we've continued to attract a customer with a high LTV, a customer that wants to stay with us. So those strong retention rates are obviously very, very important for us. And in terms of the customer growth, you know, we, we don't guide uh, customer growth, but definitely at the end of the year, you know, it will be something that we'll be happy to talk about more and share with you. Uh, in terms of international, I, you know, I'm sure Mark may mention a thing or two, but Generally, I would say, you know, we see the same sort of macro environment of the city in, uh, in Europe, as an example. In Russia, we did shut down our Russia website and remove uh, support for the ruble, and that had an impact. And maybe, Mark, you want to comment on it? You know, I wouldn't call it any sort of material impact. Yes, Mark, you want to comment on it? Yeah, that's a thanks, Amon and Trevor. I think that's exactly right, Amon. I think you, you stole the byline uh, Shut down. Uh, it didn't have a significant impact on us. I would say it's more the macroeconomic trends that are impacting us throughout Europe, and, and there isn't a particular exposure to any region or country at this, at this point to call out. Great. Thank you both. 
Our next question comes from of Clark Jeffries from Piper Sandler. Clark, please go ahead. Hello. Uh, thank you for taking the question. Uh, you know, maybe a, addressing the previous question in a different way on a product level, um, just wanted some qualitative thoughts on the macro impacts to domain demands and if there was any characterization you could offer between North America demand and international demand for domains. And then as, I think as a follow-up to that, with a 40% increase driven by aftermarket, was that in line with your expectations or, or above? And as we settle into kind of cleaner compares, where do you think the growth contribution from aftermarket goes? Yeah, thanks, Clark. Uh, I can take the first, and uh, Mark, perhaps you can take the, set, uh, the second. Um, on, in terms of domain demand, you know, Clark, I, I would point you to the sort of core domain business for us, which is now much more than, you know, selling just specific TLDs. We sell a large uh, sort of set of TLDs across the world. You've also added to that capability the secondary market. We then combined the primary market and the secondary market. We connected those really well. You'll remember products like this for sale uh, from uh, a year, about a year and a half ago. And then we've also added a corporate business in domains, and we've added um, more recently a registry business as well. So, so we continue to be very happy with our overall domains business, but it's really the connect collection of sort of diverse products that we have that are performing really well for us. And then on the actual market, maybe Mark, I can turn to you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks, Francis. Um, hey, look, we can be more happier than the momentum we have in the aftermarket. I think we talked about it coming out of Q4. Uh, and we continue to see, you know, strong volume growth and average prices going up. And that's what we really track when we look at the momentum around there. Uh, it's hard to predict the, the larger transactions, but we still see them coming in. Um, and we still see the momentum, you know, obviously quarter over quarter. Uh, that created uh, within that market. No, nothing to call out, you know, domestic versus, uh, or sorry, North America versus international. Uh, it seems to be just, um, you know, broad-based uh, momentum in that market, and we continue to be pleased with the amount of transactions and the volume that is going through there right now. Perfect. And if I could squeeze one more in about just how the investment plan changes given the macro environment, just trying to get a sense of whether you see it as a net benefit to profitability or whether there will be some offsetting costs. You do have to rotate some of that kind of contractor uh, headcount around. You know, did it, is it kind of a net benefit or a, a net headwind to profitability as you look through the year? Yeah, I think it, and if you're specifically talking about sort of my comments around contractors in the Ukraine region, you know, it, it is an important but a small group of people for us, so given our sort of large base of engineers across the world and our ability to hire globally and work with vendors around the world, I think overall it's not a huge shift. It is an important group of people. They, you know, their safety is of paramount importance to us, but I wouldn't over-focus on it because the size of the group is small. Yeah, I mean, Clark, I'll just add on to that. The, the, the cost, is, is we don't look at it as a headwind. Perfect. Thank you very much. Our next question comes from the line of Eval Aranian from Westbush. Eval, please go ahead. Hey, um, I'll, I'll take the macro one um, again. Um, it may be like a kind of two-sided. Um, so one of the things we're seeing around is just a lot of pressure on e-commerce. Um, it sounded like the comments in-store, COS has been um, a driver. Strength and GMB, and we just um, 
talk about the person takes on offline and online commerce that you're seeing. And then and when and we have a um, when we start to talk about recession, um, ultimately the impact to SMBs um, who are usually you know typically more exposed comes up a lot. So um, anything you're you're hearing from your SMB customers, um, you know, I know you're saying things like um, improvements and renewals and things look pretty good, but just those phone from your customers, anything you're hearing there. Thanks, you all. Look, bringing online and offline commerce together, what we call connected commerce, is more important for our customers than ever before, right? They need to be able to quickly pivot to selling online or be able to bring those same capabilities in store very, very quickly. Uh, given our portfolio, you know, and given that we are still very early in the connected commerce space and the exposure we have to sort of GMV is generally small, um, in our in our overall business, you know, we're still growing in that area. We have lots of opportunity. Where I feel very 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 early in that field. And in terms of you know different economic impacts, I would point you to a data point I think we shared a couple of years ago. Uh, when we looked at the data or the cohort for 2008, you might remember we talked about the recession, the Great Recession cohort. That cohort a couple of years ago had delivered $1.5 billion in revenue uh, with GoDaddy. And today, it is up to $1.9 billion um, in terms of what that cohort has delivered in terms of revenue. So, you know, we, we look at that cohort, and we see it perform very similar to other cohorts. So we look at our business, and we say, look, we deliver a set of products at a price that delivers great value to our customers. This is essential to their future, to their growth. And, yes, in the short term, you know, things might move up and down a bit, but those cohorts over time continue to perform very, very well. And, Mark, maybe I'll turn to you to add a couple more comments to that. Yeah, and, and it's great. Uh, I, I think in these times, uh, what we're hearing is being a one-stop shop for our customer base, which is entrepreneurs and very small businesses, becomes an opportunity. Uh, they're they're focusing on their business and, and their ability to really count on us to help make their, uh, you know, go-to-market easier uh, seems to be something that is resonating with them. Uh, you know, and a reminder, we we generate about 85% of our revenue coming from our existing 21 million customers. So our ability to give them relevant products uh, in the market uh, is, is just a huge upside for us, and we look at it as a very much of a positive going forward. Okay, thanks. That's really helpful, and uh, maybe could just talk about commerce a little bit, um, expand on that. Um, sounds seems like a really interesting product. Um, is that is that you guys going a little bit more up market, um, or is that sort of product that's more focused on your kind of micro SMB customer? Um, and anything you could share about um, price points and any other details around that would be super helpful. Thank you. Sure, well, in terms of the target customer, like we shared on Investor Day, you know, we have lots of customers in our base that sell up to a million dollars uh, or do up to a million dollars of GMV a year. And as we've shared with you, we want to be able to serve their needs because they are, they are our customers already, and we don't need to do that much more to serve them well. And we have talked about launching in Q1 a new hire in SKU. That's what the commerce plus SKU is. Happy to send you details offline in terms of price points and how far it's launched. And stuff like that, but you can literally go to you at the site and see it. You, you will see it 100% of the time. But that's, that's really there. I'm really excited about it. Like 80% of the sales that we've seen in it have 
in, in that few have been new purchases, which means customers are willing to pay more for the greater value that we provided them. And it definitely played a little bit of a part as well in the overall customers adopting GoDaddy payments, because now 70% of customers in our commerce is are adopting GoDaddy payments, which is 50% in February that we shared with you. Thank you so much. I'll, I'll check that out on the site. Our next question comes from the line of Mark Sigurdsson from Benchmark. Mark, please go ahead. Mark, I think you're muted. Apologize for that. Uh, I just wanted to wrap maybe on the a couple of the last questions. Uh, on the new customer side of Commerce Plus, which you highlighted, I was just curious if you could maybe refresh us again on your go-to-market and sort of where uh, perhaps those new customers are coming from. Um, and then uh, as it relates to um, the GMV growth, um, it, it obviously, you know, mainly coming from POS, just trying to get a sense of sustainability of that 10% growth. Uh, uh, and if that sort of um, corresponds to the CAGR that you're uh, sort of talking about for applications and commerce uh, for your CAGR and, and sort of the high teams. That would sort of uh, parallel that uh, that growth. Uh, it's for me, thanks. Thanks, Mark. On the new Commerce Plus plan in terms of go-to-market approach, it's super new product. We just launched it uh, this past quarter, and most of the customer base is coming in through the web. Um, you know, so that, that's where we've done majority of the testing. No doubt we have a huge competitive advantage in the care organization and the ability of the care organization to be able to have a fantastic relationship with our customers and to be able to upsell customers. But that is, you know, that is part of this year's priority for us to be able to get, you know, our go-to-market motion really swinging in terms of in terms of commerce. But we're excited to have the product launch. We're excited to have customers like it. We're excited that they can go to any payment. That, that's been fantastic for us. In terms of GMB growth, you know, we, we just feel we're so early in the payment space and we have such a large customer base with this need. Um, you know, of course, it's hard to sort of have a crystal ball and talk about specifics, you know, in terms of numbers of the long term. But we feel we're very, very early and there's just so much more uh, for us to take. It's a massive TAN. We're positioned really well. We're putting out great innovative products in the market in terms of what we're doing with website marketing. In my prepared comments, I mentioned the new commerce is coming for WordPress. We have stable domains out there now testing in the U.S. So, you know, we're really lighting up all our purposes with commerce. So we feel we're just very early here. Super. Well, thanks very much. I appreciate it. Our next question comes from the line of Aaron Kessler from Raymond James. Aaron, please go ahead. Great. Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, maybe just, uh, I know you've been working on the cloud position for a couple of years now. Can you just talk about maybe where you are on that, and then um, any impact you're seeing from overall labor costs? Obviously, plant a lot of our calls as well. And finally, just uh, in terms of the lower year-over-year margins and nice leverage there, um, I guess how much of an impact is that having on them? Those as your customer has not lower margins spent, or have you been able to find more efficient sources that can be yesterday as well? Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. Let me take the cloud and marketing, and Mark, maybe you can comment on the labor costs. Uh, in terms of our transition to cloud, you know, we continue to be very happy with our applications moving to the cloud. We're seeing higher productivity. We're seeing, you know, better responsiveness. Uh, we measure our applications with the Google tools, and they perform very, very well. 
um, you know, both sort of in the U.S. and globally. So we're, we're very excited about that. The transition is going to plan, you know, nothing uh, significant to call out there. In terms of our marketing dollars, I, I think, you know, over the last year, we've been very open about sharing with you our philosophy around marketing, uh, making sure that we lean into demand when we see it, and then we see sort of changes in the band pattern when we manage our marketing dollars. Now, you know, we don't want to manage them too aggressively because we don't want to pull demand down just to go at it, but we do want to follow all of the demand patterns. And what we're doing is that we're coupling that with investments in data science and, and better better data and better technology, allowing us to make that mar measure that marketing team better and better as we are and be more efficient with it. And Mark, I'll turn it to you for the labor cost uh, comment. Yeah, thank you, uh, on labor costs, we've been in a hyper-competitive environment for talent here for a number of years. Uh, so we've, we've been constantly looking at how do we attract talent, but yet, you know, have, have levers in place to moderate the cost buildup appropriately, and, and that hasn't changed, and, and we're not seeing anything, um, you know, that would cause us to, us to think that that's going to be, uh, you know, what we haven't built into our uh, guide already. Um, and, and, you know, we, we continue to look for opportunities to diversify the locations of our employees going forward to make sure we, we can uh, maintain that into our three-year outlook. Great. Thank you. Our next question comes from Elizabeth Porter from Morgan Stanley. Elizabeth, please go ahead. Elizabeth, I believe you're on mute. Oh, hi. Um, thank you so much. I had a question on the competitive landscape. So back in, in March, uh, Google announced that they were going GA with their domain product after being in beta for, for multiple years. I just wanted to, to get your view on if, uh, any changes to the competitive landscape. Thanks, Elizabeth. Uh, you know, specific to Google, we've been competing with Google on domains for, I think, uh, seven years or more. And, you know, the removal of sort of the beta, um, logo, if you will, it doesn't change, sort of create any fundamental change in, in the industry from my view. You know, competing with the mega tech players is a fact of life for every tech business, so I feel we've been competing with them and sort of not much has changed with this, uh, with this solution from them. Great. And then um, on the uh, payment side, great to see that that adoption kind of picked up to 70% from 16. I believe that's just customers that are going into commerce. So I wanted to see if there had been any change in uh, legacy customers kind of moving over to GoDaddy payments from their prior provider, just given the competitive kind of pricing that you guys offer with that product. Yeah, I think a majority of what we have, we've talked about is new customers going to the side. In terms of our legacy customers, we continue to feel that is a big opportunity for GoDaddy. You know, anecdotally, we do see a set of customers that are attracted, so we know that our pricing makes sense. We know that, uh, you know, this is something we can sell, but that's part of this year's priority for us. We have to go to marketing motions at scale across the company so that we can go after not just the new, but the legacy customers as well. Uh, but it's just that is still a work in progress. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Our next question comes to the line of Trent Hill from Jeffries. Trent, please go ahead. Uh, th thanks, good afternoon. Um, I guess a couple, uh, on financially, you know, the company's growth trailed revenue this quarter. I guess, was that more just a comp or was there anything on the internal execution that you call out that, that caused that? 
I'll jump into that one. I'm on yeah, color. Uh, you hit it right, right on the head there. Uh, it's a, we're comping to a tough quarter last year. Um, you know, we did talk about January at Investor Day and some of the impacts in the market, and we've seen positive momentum coming out of the quarter, which gives us a lot of comfort as we, uh, we get into the rest of the year. We're excited about it. There's nothing in particular to call out that we haven't, haven't already mentioned. Um, and we, we also are very uh, happy that coming off a great Q4, you know, the open scope was pretty strong. So we like the momentum. We like the, uh, the opportunities out there in the market right now. Uh, you know, obviously it's an interesting time, but uh, we continue to manage through it. And, uh, uh, yeah, uh, we feel good about where we think we're going to end up for the year and the quarter. Cheers, here. And, um, just a quick follow-up to obviously the, the elephant in the room that was watching is the interest rates and what, what that does to the, the small business uh, segment. And I'm, I'm curious, um, you know, how, how you're thinking about this and, and what, what happens, not maybe, you know, this quarter, next quarter, but over the next year, how how you think you, you can kind of be more insulated or or, or not. Um curious how you think, think through this as, as that rolls through. Yeah, I'll take it on, on two ends on that one. One, us internally, and then two, uh, customer demand, and, and the mom may have some comments on the on the customer end of it. Uh, one on our end, you know, we're we're uh, you know I think it's in our we're prepared more slide. We're we're up 15 percent variable interest rate right now, so we think the impact for us in the quarter and the year will be minimal. Uh, obviously, we will, we will, as we mentioned, we'll look to refinance our term loan and uh, our revolver. If it makes sense, we'll do so. Uh, but we think those are, those are things within our control. Uh, when it comes to our customer base, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to predict the overall impact of inflation, but we believe because our products help them do business and our ability to be a one-stop shop helps them ultimately to be more efficient in the marketplace and focus on growing their business, that we are, we are an additive tool for them versus uh, something they will have to choose between. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard to look at the overall impact in the three years. Uh, and Amon, I don't know if you want to add to that at all. Uh, maybe just to say, I appreciate the long-term view on the question. You know, my view is, is that we have these secular trends around entrepreneurship, around the internet, around commerce, on the internet. But we're positioned really well. This is a critical need for micro and small businesses. So you know, the, the time is large. GoDaddy's positioning is very, very good. It's mission critical to customers. They, they don't, you know, this, in a difficult time, customers don't give up their website or they don't give up their domain anymore. Lots of them don't do that. But from my perspective, if times are tough for our customers, that's actually the opportunity for GoDaddy to do more for them. That's the opportunity GoDaddy has to help them understand how they can navigate those times better. And as I shared about sort of the 2008 cohort, you know, we can end up with fantastic customers in all kinds of economic environments. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Sunil Rajpapal from Harvard. Sunil, please go ahead. Hi. Can you please comment about uh, the overhead expenses line seems to have gone up uh, a bit uh, this quarter? And um, also, a question will be on the uh, payments front. Uh, just want to understand a little bit more. I know you commented earlier about uh, you are still in the early phase of uh, employment in terms of the payment opportunity. Um, have you thought about what would be the potential 
opportunity from affordable domains and how that could potentially accelerate your revenue stream come forward. Thank you. I'll, uh, I'll hit the first part of that, and uh, maybe you can handle the second. Uh, I, I, and, you know, I assume you're talking about the GNA line and say overhead. Uh, right. Represents, uh, we, we uh, started reopening our offices in Q1, so we saw small, small, small uptick as we uh, got ready for that. Um, we're still below historical levels, and we expect it to be in one going forward. We're comfortable with where we are in normalized EBITDA uh, margins that we put out there in the guide and also for our three-year plan. But the specific increase was related to opening the offices in Q1. Right. And Neil on cable domain that <laughs> my excitement about that product sort of leaked out it during yesterday. I'm sure you will notice how excited I get about it. And my view is it's a fundamentally new idea. Nobody else is selling that product. We have tremendous scale to bring that to market. Uh, you know, but we have to work with customers to understand, to help them understand what the new product is. You know, and that's, that's what we're going through. That's what we're testing. We have great estimates on what we think it can be. That's, that's definitely why we're talking about it and we're excited about it. And we'll, we'll keep you informed on in how it progresses. You'll, you'll be able to get on the side. You'll be able to see us, you know, doing more and more with it. Sure. Okay. And maybe if I could just follow up. Uh, you talked about uh, inflationary pressures in terms of the cloud infrastructure costs going up. So how should we be thinking about those costs and uh, if, if there, I mean, do you think it will incrementally pose uh, pressure on margin, I mean, pushing margin towards the uh, low end of the guidance? Um, so, so when we, we look at the infrastructure cloud costs, you know, we're still in the, in the process of moving to the cloud. I think we've talked about that in our impact on our second deadline. Uh, and we still look at it as an opportunity to uh, moderate our costs as well as reduce our capital expenditures going forward. Uh, everything that we're looking at today, we've included in, in the guide, not only for the year, but for our three-year plan. And we feel comfortable with our normal EBITDA margins uh, where they are. Uh, obviously, lots of keeps and takes, but we're comfortable where we are and built in what we can see today. Thank you very much. As a reminder, if you'd like to ask a question, please use the raise hand feature at the bottom of the webinar screen. Our next question comes from the line of Navid Khan from Truist. Navid, please go ahead. Navid, I think you're on mute. Uh, I will turn the call back over to Aman. Um, Aman, for closing remarks. Thank you, Christy, and thank you all for uh, joining us today. I'll end the call by just thanking all the GoDaddy team members who've been doing a tremendous job getting us these results and all the good work we do for our customers as well. And uh, may the support be with you.